Thank you, choir, orchestra. Boy, I'm a fortunate man. I get to preach behind that every Sunday. And they're great. They did a great job. How encouraging. June the 24th was a day of rejoicing for Christians across America as the news of the Dobbs decision overturning Roe v. Wade became public news. Many of us have been in the pro-life battle for the entire 50 years, believing that if the value of one life was diminished, the value of every life in America was cheapened. And so it became a regular point of prayer here that life would once again be regarded as sacred in America. We supported candidates who were openly pro-life. We wrote innumerable letters to public officials and we made trips to Columbia to appeal to our legislators. I preached on the value and the sacredness of human life in scores of sermons and we contributed our money to pro-life causes. So the Dobbs decision was caused for a special day of thanksgiving the following Sunday to thank God for the Supreme Court decision. We have never considered ourselves political activists here. We have always believed the pro-life cause to be a spiritual one at its core. We've always believed the sanctity of life was an essential part of the spiritual battle we are waging for our God-given freedoms and ultimately the souls of men. So when I received a phone call from a mutual friend asking if we would be interested in having Vice President Pence speak on the subject of the world after Roe, I immediately responded yes. And it was my understanding that the Vice President wanted to make this speech in a church, in a church setting. And Mr. Vice President, we are particularly grateful you chose the Florence Baptist Temple to make this speech from tonight. Thank you. <laughs> While many in our society would try to silence the church, the Holy Scriptures command the church to give a clear message in areas of biblical morality. And we believe the foremost of these issues to be the sacredness of every human life. Mr. Pence has been described as a pro-life trailblazer with a peerless pro-life voting record. Significantly, he was the first vice president to ever address the Washington March for Life. He was born in Columbus, Indiana. He's married to Karen, incidentally, a Christian school teacher. They have three grown children, one of whom is currently serving in the U.S. Marines. Mr. Pence has a long and distinguished record of public service representing the state of Indiana in the U.S. Congress for 12 years. Afterward, he served as the governor of Indiana from 2012 to 2016. In 2016, he was elected vice president of the United States and served for four years under President Donald Trump. Just as importantly last year, I heard him give his salvation testimony in Columbia. And so I know I can also welcome him as a brother in Jesus Christ. 
join me in welcoming Mike Pence. Welcome, Mr. Vice President. Hello, South Carolina. Such an honor to be here today in the PD region at a momentous time in the life of our nation. We're beginning a new chapter in American history. We gather today because after nearly 50 years of lost lives and broken hearts, 50 years of prayer, fasting, hoping and praying. Today, at long last, Roe versus Wade has been sent to the ash heap of history where it belongs. And America has been given a new beginning for life. And I'm honored today to be here at Florence Baptist Temple here in South Carolina to talk about the opportunities and the challenges that we as pro-life Americans have in post-Roe America. Thank you all for coming out this evening. I'm very humbled by this turnout, although I think you probably mostly came for the choir. I've never had a worship director tell me that I needed to sing better. <laughs> no hope of that. But you just join me in thanking Pastor Monroe and the wonderful worship team and the wonderful staff here at Florence Baptist Temple. Thank you for standing for life and thank you for carrying the gospel all these years all across Florence and all across South Carolina. I was grateful for Pastor Monroe's introduction, but the introduction I prefer is a little bit shorter. I'm a Christian, a conservative, and a Republican in that order, and it is my great honor to be with you at such a momentous time in the life of the nation. The pastor and I had a chance to spend some time together, and I so enjoyed that. But you know, my life has changed a lot since we were last together. We moved home to Indiana. We bought five acres and a pond. I now get to, a good part about no longer being vice president is I get to drive my own car. <laughs> Bad part is I get to pay for my own gas. I'm mowing my lawn these days, Pastor. I actually bought a John Deere, 54-inch, zero-turn radius. <laughs> Serious piece of equipment. Karen lets me use it every now and again. <laughs> and we learned a profound truth, maybe only in America, and that was that you can be a congressman from your home state for 12 years. You can be the governor of your home state for four. You can even be vice president of the United States of America. 
but you're still going to wait 25 minutes for a table at Olive Garden on Saturday night at 7 o'clock. It happened. When I sent a text to my daughter, Charlotte, she simply wrote me back. She said, that's America, Dad. Put an American flag right on the end. But I thank you all for coming out. I just had to come first and foremost to say thank you. Thank you all for standing for life for all these years. For 49 years, you donated your time and your treasure to pro-life causes here in South Carolina. You let your voice be heard in this state that so shapes the life of the nation. You volunteered at pregnancy resource centers. You came alongside women facing crisis pregnancies with love and compassion and healing. I mean, in every real sense, in no small measure, because of South Carolina, we had the leadership in Washington, D.C. to earn this new beginning for life. So thank you, South Carolina. Thank you for your stand. You know, like all of you, I'm not new to the cause of life. I became an advocate for the sanctity of life five years after that fateful decision in 1973. That was the year on a hillside at a festival in Wilmore, Kentucky, that I made a personal decision to put my faith in Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. And when I opened his word, I read, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. I set you apart. I read, see, I set before you today life and death, blessings and curses. Now choose life so that you and your children may live. And I knew in that moment that his cause must become my cause. And ever since that day, I have stood without apology for the sanctity of human life. During my years in Congress, I'm humbled to say that we authored legislation to defund the largest abortion provider in America. As governor of Indiana, we championed the unborn and adoption reform. But I must tell you, South Carolina, I couldn't be more grateful to have had the privilege to be vice president in the most pro-life administration in American history. Amen. The Trump-Pence administration every single day stood for the sanctity of human life. I saw it firsthand every day. Under our administration, we reinstated the Mexico City policy to ensure that American taxpayer dollars would not be used to provide or promote abortion around the world. We awarded millions of dollars in grants to pro-life pregnancy resource centers around the country, coming alongside women in crisis pregnancies. The pastor mentioned that I had the great privilege of being the first vice president to address the March for Life in Washington, D.C., but maybe the greatest honor that I had as president of the Senate, as I was there to cast the tie-breaking vote that allowed states across the country to defund Planned Parenthood.
But because of your support here in South Carolina for our administration, the most consequential actions took place. In our four years, nearly 300 principled conservative men and women were appointed to our federal courts at every level, including Justice Neil Gorsuch, Justice Brett Kavanaugh, and Indiana's Justice Amy Coney Barrett. You made that possible through your support and your prayers. And they made possible that decision just a few short weeks ago that ended the judicial tyranny of Roe v. Wade and gave us this dawn of life in America. I believe as a result of the Supreme Court's decision today, our country is closer than ever to living out the timeless creed that all men are created equal and are endowed by our Creator with certain inalienable rights, and first among them is the right to life. Without a doubt, the Supreme Court was right to overturn Roe v. Wade. It was a moral, legal, and constitutional travesty. Don't ever doubt it. The heartbreaking consequences of the Roe decision cannot be overstated. Under Roe, more than 62 million unborn children in the United States were aborted. In other words, nearly 20% of our, the population of our country is gone. Lives of incalculable promise ended before they were born. And countless young women have experienced sorrow and regret that can last a lifetime. The Roe decision inflicted a tragedy not only on our nation, but on humanity, whose scale is unprecedented in the history of mankind. Under Roe v. Wade, unborn children were segregated into a caste of second-class citizens, devoid of the most basic of human rights. Precious babies lived outside the protection of our laws, at the mercy of a culture that devalued them and an abortion industry that profited from their suffering. But those days are coming to an end. I believe with all my heart that with Roe gone, we have the opportunity to become a more perfect union. But make no mistake about it. As we gather tonight, we must recognize that we have only come to the end of the beginning. Standing here in the first days of post-Roe America, we must resolve that we will not rest, we will not relent until the sanctity of life is restored to the center of American law in every state in the nation. When the Supreme Court finally liberated America from Roe v. Wade, they restored democracy. They returned the question of abortion, the question of life, to the states and to the American people where it belongs. So now we find ourselves at a turning point in American history. 
at this dawn of post-Roe America. New battlefields are emerging every day all across the land. So tonight I came not simply to celebrate our victory for life, but also I came tonight to cast a vision for a post-Roe America. The Bible tells us without a vision the people perish. So I hope tonight you here in this state of such great consequence in the life of the nation might reflect on those things that we must begin to do here and across America to restore the sanctity of life. Because after four years of the most pro-life administration in history, I don't have to tell you that things have changed. Today, a new administration is advancing abortion on demand at home and abroad. You know, for decades, what came to be known as the Hyde Amendment had broad and bipartisan support in the Congress of the United States. For many legislators, whatever their view on abortion was, they, they recognized that it was simply morally wrong to take the taxpayer dollars of pro-life Americans and use it to fund that which they thought was morally objectionable. But now, Democrat majorities in the Congress have whole cloth abandoned their commitment to the protections of the Hyde Amendment. And even President Biden has abandoned his long-term support for the Hyde Amendment and now supports taxpayer funding of abortion all the way up to the moment of birth. So first, in post-Roe America, we must send a deafening message to our leaders in Washington, D.C., that we must save, hide, and defend the values of millions of pro-life Americans. Also, this administration has been busy. Where they're not legislating, they're using the pen, as the saying goes. An executive order expanding access to abortion medications. And even there's news today that the administration may exist, uh, may issue an executive order, rather, that declares a public health emergency in an effort to overturn the Dobbs decision. Many Democrats in Congress are also proposing stripping the Supreme Court of its jurisdiction over abortion law altogether. And there's been efforts on the floor of the Congress to codify Roe v. Wade into the law. In the midst of all of this, our calling remains the same, to restore a culture of life. Because as Washington goes in the opposite direction of, I believe, the hearts and minds of the majority of the American people, we know. We save the babies. We will save America. Amen. The pro-life cause is first and foremost a moral cause, but it must also be a movement in every state in the country. 
The Supreme Court has stated that abortion policy is to be set by lawmakers now, not unelected judges. And so it's incumbent on all of us to ensure that we have the leadership in our state houses that reflects a commitment to life. So there are policies that we can advance beyond the federal policies about funding. As governor of Indiana, I was proud to sign a law banning elective abortion on the basis of a child's race or gender or disability, and it is time to end this injustice in every state in America. We also need to end the dangerous practice of abortion pill mills and mail-order abortion. Our postal system must not become a conduit for ending innocent life and endangering pregnant women outside the reach of medical care. We must defend and protect women and unborn children from the scourge of mail-order abortions. And we also need to recognize, if you're going to be pro-life, you need to be pro-born. If, if you're going to be pro-life, you need to be pro-adoption. We advanced adoption reforms when I was governor of the state of Indiana, but the reality, the tangled hive of costly and burdensome regulations for adoption in this country place the creation of forever families through adoption out of the reach of many Americans. The cost to adopt a child in the United States can be as much as $70,000 to a family. This is a moral and legal failing by our country. It should not cost the average American worker more than a year's worth of wages to adopt a child. And frankly, it's time that we called on corporate America to do their part. You all have seen the headlines that many corporations are now offering benefits to employees to be able to travel out of state to seek an abortion. But I must tell you, I've been inspired to hear tell in just the last few weeks of some companies that are going the other way. A company called Pacific Hospitality Group and a technology investment company in California got word that the Blue Cross in California was offering $2,000 to pay for people to travel to get an abortion. So they announced, even though insurance didn't cover it, that they were going to pay $7,500 to any employee to pay for adoption services. That's leadership for life in corporate America. And as the radical left continues to rage against the Supreme Court's decision in the Dobbs case, tragically, dozens of pregnancy resource centers and pro-life organizations have been vandalized and attacked around the country. There can be no tolerance for violence against pro-life organizations, especially those that are offering compassionate care to women in need.
President Biden should create a federal law enforcement task force to investigate, arrest, and prosecute the left-wing radicals who are running this coordinated campaign of violence against pregnancy resource centers. Now, more than ever, we should support the efforts of pregnancy resource centers and make sure they have the resources and the security to be there for women facing crisis pregnancies. In South Carolina, you all deserve to know that it isn't just the radicals that are attacking pregnancy resource centers. Some elected members of Congress have actually been perpetrating deceitful rhetoric about this extraordinary movement of compassion. You know, as your vice president, I had the opportunity to visit the Crisis Pregnancy Center, and today I was deeply moved to visit a choice to make Pregnancy Center right here in Florence that has seen 31 babies saved this year alone. A choice to make Pregnancy Center does extraordinary work. In fact, I'd like to ask some of the team from A Choice to Make to stand up on the front row and let us show our appreciation. Two to 300 women in crisis pregnancies have walked through their modest doors and heard the gospel and a message of hope. Thank you. Many Democrats in Washington are complaining that there's more crisis pregnancy centers in America than abortion clinics. And there are. And Senator Elizabeth Warren actually accused pregnancy resource centers of torturing expecting mothers. And she's proposed fining organizations like a choice to make $100,000. She's demanded that they be shut down nationwide. Senator Warren, you couldn't be more wrong. Crisis pregnancy centers have been changing lives and changing hearts for decades in this country, and they deserve our support today in every state in America. So there are reforms to make, organizations to support leadership to be provided in business America. This is just the beginning of a conversation about post-Roe America. But it's a time in which we live. And all of you have come here tonight because you understand that it's for such a time as this that our generation has reached this position. Beyond all that I've talked about, we, we need to do the larger challenge of reforming our tax code and entitlement system to eliminate marriage penalties, incentivize work, make it easier for working families to raise the next generation. And the truth is, strong families make for strong communities. The Bible tells us God puts the lonely in families. And so he does. So we should pursue 
policies that strengthen families. Give people the opportunity to grow their family through natural birth or, or adoption. But the highest priority of our nation beyond the security of our people should be strengthening the family for this generation and the next. And traveling all across this country as your vice president and as a private citizen over the last year and a half, let me assure you that the tide has turned in this nation. Many more are with us than are with them. Don't ever doubt it. Life is winning in America, not just here in South Carolina, but all across this country. At the dawn of post-Roe America, I want to urge you, stay the course. Continue to do all the things that led us to this historic moment. And be prepared to persevere. It may well take as long to win this country for life as it took for us to overturn Roe v. Wade. So we must not grow weary in doing good. For as the Bible says, in due time, we will reap if we faint not. So my friends, let's resolve tonight. In this moment, the very beginning of post-Roe America, Let's keep standing for life without apology. Neighbors and friends and coworkers, look them in the eye and tell them why you stand where you stand. Always be prepared to give a reason for the hope that you have. But do so with gentleness and respect. I truly do believe it's been the love and the compassion of this movement in 49 years that moved our nation. So I urge each one of you to use your voice and your relationships to carry the cause for life. Secondly, keep giving care and love to women facing unplanned pregnancies. Pregnancy resource centers have been the front line of the battle for hearts and minds. And as South Carolina and states across the country take up pro-life legislation, let us tell our elected officials that as you move the law forward to protect the unborn, let us also redouble our commitment to provide care and support to expectant mothers, to newborns, and young families. We will win America for life with principle and compassion. And I urge you to call on our leaders to lead in just that way. Continue to do your part to elect pro-life leaders at every level. For those of us who cherish the sanctity of life, it's now never been more important. 
who represent you at the State House. Do your part to elect pro-life leaders at every level. And do what South Carolina has always done. Keep leading for life. And above all, in these days in post-Roe America, I urge all of you gathered here, avail yourself of that wellspring of strength that truly carried us to this day. Proverbs 24, we are admonished. Rescue those being led away. Hold back those staggering. If you say, but we knew nothing about this, does not he who weighs the heart perceive it? Does not he who guards your life know it? Will he not repay everyone according to what they have done? And so I want to challenge you, fellow believers, in every form of prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God. Pray for our leaders in both political parties. Pray that their hearts would be softened and they would lead for life. Pray for the mothers facing crisis pregnancies. For the fathers, that their hearts would be turned toward their children. Pray for the unborn children within them. That in these days of promise, that they'll join the chorus of millions. And pray for our opponents, that their hearts would soften their minds would open to the unimaginable beauty that is life. Men and women, we can never bring back those more than 62 million American lives lost. We'll mourn with those who mourn and grieve with those who grieve. And through these days going forward, we recognize there's virtually an equal number of broken hearts. So as we move forward to reform our laws, support our leaders and support families and women in crisis pregnancy in this moment, let us do our part to bring the message of redemption and grace to those who were caught up in abortion these last 49 years. Let's love them both. But it's an honor to be with all of you today. As we see a new generation rise in post-Roe America. I hope that those of you that have been involved in this cause from the very beginning, those of you that labored and prayed and contributed, will understand the role that you've played in this moment in history in bringing a new beginning for life to families all across America. 
So men and women of the Florence Baptist Temple, we have work to do. We've come to a new beginning for life, but it's just a beginning. But I have every confidence with your compassion, with your leadership, with your faith. We will seize this moment in history. And though I do not know if I will be here to see it, I believe with all my heart the day will come when the right to life is the law of the land in every state in this country. And this generation will lead us to a pro-life America. So help us, God. Thank you all. God bless you. And God bless America.